Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 34, One Man Can Change the Course of History. This week we're discussing series 3, episode 5 of Doctor Who, Evolution of the Daleks, and season 2, episode 21 of Buffy, Becoming, part 1. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. Evolution of the Daleks. So last week we had Evolve, Evolve, Evolve! And this this, week we see... The title declares uh, that they are indeed evolving. But are are they? Well, see, okay, so we were going to start off... Or they have an an aborted attempt at evolution. We we were going to start off talking about the Daleks, so this is perfect because... um, So, all right, we have this Dalek sec who's now Dalek slash human sec. And we uh-huh. have the remaining cult of Scaro. And then later in the episodes, mm-hmm. we get the human Daleks. And here's here's yeah. the thing that I was thinking about the second time I watched it through um, yeah. earlier today. Is, like, the clear implication is Dalek Sek, you know, having turned into this human, right? He ate the dude, and now he's human slash Dalek, and all of this. And, like, we get, you know... He's got feelings now and, oh, he's rejecting the former Dalek self. And, you know, uh-huh. it's like this whole sort of conversion experience in a way uh, where uh-huh. where he's saying, like, no, we were weaker for not having emotions and all of that. Um, but here's the thing that I wonder why it might not still be an evolution for the remaining Dalek. Because at the end, we end up with Dalek Khan, right? Uh, mm-hmm. and yes. who is the last remaining Dalek. And so yes. obviously you have to sort of compare that with the episode Dalek that we saw yeah. previously in season one, series one, uh, yeah. uh-huh. you know, where, <laughs> where we ran into the last, last Dalek, <laughs> uh-huh. the, the, the former <laughs> last Dalek. And now um, for real this time is the for last. For reals, yeah. the last Dalek. Until we run across some other, you know, Genesis machine that contains a million Daleks. Um, uh-huh. No, but here's the thing, right? Is the Daleks uh, say in here, um, basically when they dethrone or, or decommission or whatever you want to call it, Dalek sec, you know, they say, uh, you told us to imagine and now we imagine you as irrelevant, right? So we it's imagine like, you're irrelevant. So, so like my favorite classic Dalek snark. But that is in itself a, a digression or a diversion or a something die from the normal Dalek uh, authority chain of command kind of thing, right? Like, yeah. Like, so in their very sort of insistence on being pure, they're still not being pure, right? They're still, he's breaking the chain of command, which is a non-Dalek thing to do. And we get that. um, The the reason why I think that's significant is because we get that earlier moment um, when the Dalek, and I don't know, is it the same Dalek? Is it Dalek Khan who is out there going to kill the doctor and is like, Oh, you know, my desire to kill is too strong, but, he still <laughs> I don't know it might he, he be. still resists it's it's that it's it's the black one I don't remember which one it was 
flying around in Hooverville. Yeah, I I um, I didn't because I didn't think of it until later in the episode. So I and I didn't go back mm-hmm. to see whatever right, whether it was um, him or not. Yeah. So yeah, I wasn't I wasn't quite sure, but I guess my my point is just to say like there is that seems to be a change, and if we're calling yeah. and if the episode is called right. Evolution of the Daleks, it's not like stilted evolution of the Daleks, right? Like the implication in the, I mean, how much information we can take from the title of the episode may remain to be seen. But if we take that as there is an evolution that occurs in this episode, that would be the evolution and not the sort of red herring of the uh, evolution that doesn't really pan out um, or the two attempts at evolution that don't really pan out. Um, No, that's a really, well, because so much, um, emphasis is placed on their obedience right, to right. their chain of command and yeah and and they kind of you kind of get the idea that they are pretty much disapproving of sex whole plan from the beginning mm-hmm. um but it takes them almost the entire episode before they actually right do something about it right there's a little they're so they're so resistant to the idea of deviating from his orders because he's supposed to be in charge. Yeah, there's that little So it actually does um conspiratorial moment where he's like I have <laughs> I little, have doubts about, you know. The little gossip in the hallway <laughs> yeah, like the, the yeah. dot like water cooler moment. Um, yeah. Yeah, and one of them kind of looks over his shoulder to make sure <laughs> nobody's listening and everything. Um yeah. yeah. No, I think that's a really because so much is so much emphasis is placed on that I think that is a good idea that we are meant to see that as not their usual to to question authority, let alone uh, disobey mm-hmm. it, is unusual. Well, and I um, and maybe the cult of Scarrow is only capable of doing that. Maybe rank and file Daleks who weren't given the ability to imagine anything. Well, and and um, we already sort of get a taste of that when we when we. Uh, at the in the last series you know finale when mm. you know we learn that they have names and that they're they're already different right. um right right they have a a type of independence which is different right. than and and a type of identity um, that's different um which i think is also yeah. part of all of that and i think it's uh i just i just i don't know i guess I, one of the other things I was thinking about too is with the whole idea of evolution, right? We always, so in like science fiction, right? It's always, we're evolving to the next stage and it's always like this big grandiose, like with Dalek Sec, you know, it's this big grandiose change. He, he transforms into this bipedal, you know, human like being and creature or whatever. But like if Dalek Khan is really the true evolution that's happening in this episode, it's incremental. Mm-hmm. It's very small and minor. And we might right. not see, I mean, the doctor tells us we will see Daleks again, at least this one particular Dalek again. Yeah. And I yeah. don't think like you've stated it's, before that Daleks not a surprise are so that iconic that, that, that yeah. you know, yeah. we could almost guarantee we're going to see them again anyway. So, well, and you get that with the doctor at the end that there's a resignation mm-hmm. to the way that, you know, every other time they've come back, you know, it was such a shock for him mm-hmm. and Dalek. And then again in Parting of the Ways, he thought they were all gone. And then again in uh, Doomsday or whatever. And now it's sort of like, uh, apart from in in the last episode, his sort of 
um, depression at the thought that I lose everything and they always survive, you get the sense that that's never going to be a surprise from this point on. Mm -hmm. That at the end, Martha says, do you think you'll see it again? And he's like, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I will. Like, he knows it, we know it, that they will always survive. It's destiny at this point, yeah. It's destiny. So, So I think because he says that so assuredly, I don't feel like I need to hide the fact that we're going to see right, Daleks. Right. Because obviously, and um, and I don't think it's even a huge, you know, spoiler to say that, yes, you know, we will find out where Dalek Khan went from here. Mm-hmm. And I think that... Um, and that there is a change the, that happens. And then I think... The, the That's the assumption that, that I'm up, making. <laughs> I, I think that is... Uh, going to bear fruit in the future. Sure. Um, so, and I hadn't even necessarily thought about it in the terms that you stated, in terms of like the fact that there is an evolution and what the implication of that is. But I think um, you also pointed out that it might be a little bit of a cheat for him to escape via the same means that he oh, did yeah. the last I, I was, time with the I was emergency gonna, I was going to bring that up. Um... But, well, and I only do now to say that my response to that, and I think it goes with the, the change that maybe occurred in him, this, this baby step forward in evolution. Um, the, yes, he does get out via emergency temporal shift, but next time when we do find out where he went from here, the consequences are going to be a little bit more interesting. Um, that there will be okay. slightly different implications next time, um, which I think have to do both with the repeat of the emergency temporal shift and to do with whatever change may have occurred in his character as a result of this, you know, that there's something specific to Dalek Khan, um, which is you know, going to make him sort of unique even more unique among Daleks. So um, I think those are really good ideas and definitely uh, I won't say when we'll see him again, but keep them in mind because I think we're going to want to come back to that the next time he pops up. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting. um, So that's all I'll say about that. As far as the temporal shift. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's stuff in Buffy too, where you kind of see the same, they even, they even sort of make allusion to it. Angel does. Um, so we could bring that up in that episode too, where they use the same sort of tricks over and over again, you know, and you can kind of say, Oh, you know, why do they keep doing that? So like to that extent, I, I get it. Like, okay, it's a convenient way to have the Dalek escape from the doctor and all of that. I think the thing that, um, sort of irritated me a little bit about it is that, they bring up the idea of temporal escape uh, and the fact that like it takes a toll on the Daleks. Right. Sure. And, and so it's like, well, how come they can do it again so quickly? Like they don't seem to have had time to recover, to have recovered from the previous one, but. Right. And then that's why I also wanted to say that again, there will be slightly different consequence. So it's not going to be, you know, it's not like every time it, they come, they can just do that necessarily. It it has a more 
unpredictable result next time. So you get the sense that his emergency temporal shift doesn't go quite as planned. Gotcha. Um, and, and, you know, there may be, it, it may lead him into, you know, a, a, a tighter corner than it did this time. Okay. So, um, so th that's the kind of hedging of the, of the bet is you can use it twice, but maybe because he wasn't fully recovered, he doesn't have complete control over sure. um, over where he goes and what happens. And we're going to see the result the of consequence that. of yeah. that. Yeah. So, you know, it, it is using the same device twice, but I kind of like that when it does come back again, um, you know, you do get the impression that there there is something of a consequence to him having done that sort of recklessly. Yeah, sure. Um, well, yeah, and I don't necessarily mean this. So it kind of, so I think maybe in retrospect that that redeems it a little bit, you know, that if, if that was just the get it out jail free card every time the Dalek showed up was they skip out of town and you're forever just catching them in a different time period, that would get kind of dull. Um, but it's not going to be that straightforward next. We're not just going to turn up and find them in a different time period trying to convert people into Daleks again. Yeah, like, no, no. It's going to go in a in a different and more, um, in, a, in, a, in a weirder direction. Sure, and, that. and I didn't even necessarily mean to take up all this time about what they're going to do next time, so. Um, no, but I think that's a good, I think it's a good point, and I think, I think that's a nice looking forward, you know, to the next time is, you know, okay, so he just did this sort of, you know, to get away from the doctor and there may be a price to be paid for yeah. it. So, um, yeah. Interesting. And kind of interesting that he's desperate to get away from the doctor's mercy, which is sort of, I kind of like that. You kind of mentioned that, okay, it's down to, we're back to where we were in series one with the doctor versus the last Dalek again. And you get that kind of Western style, shot of the showdown mm -hmm. of the the dalek and then it, and you see the doctor and it's almost like he has like a you know gunslinger his stance, yeah. yeah like a gunslinger but then how different from the episode dalek where he was out of his mind trying to you know it was only rose that held him back from mm -hmm. eliminating the dalek sure. you know just out of his you know hatred and now um now all he wants is to just let him help it. Um, and the Dalek runs away. So it's kind of an interesting contrast, I guess, to where it was in Sears 1. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, let's see. So going back then to Dalek Sec, though, mm. um, I mean... We've already seen you just brought up Rose, right? And and so we've already seen sort of the effect of integrating human DNA with Dalek's hat. So we, in a way, you almost sort of see what happens coming. Um, right. Obviously, not the physical change because that we didn't see like the Dalek consume a person before. <laughs> so I don't. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's part of it. Um, but. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, so the interesting part here, of course, is is 
the this the splicing together of Dalek and humanity. And I guess um I mean it's interesting because you get that aspect of it, but the 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 human that they chose was uh what was his name again? Diagoras. Diagoras, right. And but he was the one that they felt was most Dalek like, right? Like he was right. their best prospect of of, you know, presumably they obviously didn't meet every human in the world. So of the those humans that they captured or interacted with, he seemed to be the most Dalek like. And yet, you know, the aspect is that he still has some sort of compassion. He still has some sort of humanity, you know, uh, yeah. well, enough, thought, enough thought... so that it's it changes how the Dalek thinks and observes, right? Yeah, and it's kind of interesting that Dalek Sek is kind of a nicer person than Diagoras was. Like, the right. Dalek plus the human is more human than the human in a way. Yeah. Um, which is kind of interesting. I'm not quite sure what to do with that. Like, does that kind of suggest... I feel like it suggests something about nature versus nurture, that... Okay, so Diagoras wasn't a particularly good person, mm -hmm. but apparently there's something inherent to humanity which which changes the Dalek, even though they chose right. a pretty monstrous human. But then also, so that kind of seems to be on the side of, you know, your nature is what's strongest. But then at the same time, it's kind of like, well, maybe what was human in Diagoras is just latent and his nurture, his experience has hardened him into this mm. kind of, you know, uh, selfish, greedy, you know, business person who only thinks about his own profit. Yeah. So that would kind of suggest that his experience has shaped him and that, well, you and know, that there is an, an, a nurture and a life, aspects and from the 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 environment perspective the 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 nurture perspective i guess um although it doesn't seem very nurturing um you know it's almost just sort of the the typical uh idea about you know business right right it's only business what I, what i'm doing it's not about you know yeah. being friends or whatever yeah. but you know he's he's a mid-level management kind of guy right he's he's right. clear he's not the upper guy so he's taking orders but he's not the lowest guy either right he's also giving orders um and mm -hmm. he's he's a conduit basically and if he doesn't act as the conduit that that he's basically hired to be then um you know, then he gets replaced. Like he gets thrown out and replaced. Like, you know, he it, basically yeah. he's a blown out fuse if he's not working right. Right. He, they just take him out and pop someone else in who's going to be willing to do uh, what the upper management, so to speak, says the Daleks in this case. And so, yeah, you know, on the one hand, it is like, like, yeah, how how much of it is him just like it's either that or Hooverville for him. Right. So it's either. I do what the people above me tell me to do, which means basically treating the people below me like dirt, or I'm one of the people living in the Hoovervilles. And it's it's a sort of right. jaded view, but at the same time, it's also the middle of the Depression when jobs are scarce and 
money and and all of that is not easy to come by. So like right. on the one hand, you can sort of feel for why why uh Diagoras is in that situation. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, so so I don't know. So it does come across as it it's om- it literally is in your DNA to be you know, to have all of the range of human emotions. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that we're meant to, you know, think only of like the good emotions here either, because the Daleks, uh, Dalek right. Sek even says, um, initially that it's, uh, you know, it's everything we want from mankind, ambition, hatred, aggression, and war. Well, those are some of it, but then later, you know, you find out that there's more to it. And you also, I mean, Think, thinking about the thing, you know, what does he admire in Solomon? He admires courage. Well, courage, mm-hmm. you know, is, you know, it's not necessarily good or bad. You can have courage and use it in a good way and you can have courage and use it in a bad way. Um, you yeah. know, and, yeah. and even though courage tends to be, we tend to talk about it as a good thing. Like you can be courageous and stand up for yourself or whatever, but not necessarily in a good way either. I know that seems kind of weird saying that about courage and maybe I'm sort of stumbling around my own words, but you know what I mean? Like there, there's a quality there of courage that isn't necessarily a good thing. Um, and there's a quality, just like there's an equality to, uh, a quality to hatred. Like you can hate things that are evil, right? You don't Mm -hmm. just cause you have hate for something doesn't necessarily make the hate itself a bad thing. There's a a righteous sort of hatred or anger or whatever you want to call it. Right. Maybe the emotions themselves are sort of amoral and it, and it's how they're applied, which is judged Mm -hmm. good or bad. You know, it's, you know, love, anger, hatred, ambition all these things are are morally neutral it's how are they applied you know how when do you when do you indulge in them and when do you control them Mm -hmm. um yeah i think there and and obviously certain like i was saying about courage like certain emotions we tend to put in one camp or another you know good or bad but i i do think that there is a certain aspect of of that where they're not necessarily where they are amoral or at least, you know, they're, they're more tools, <laughs> you know, right. you can use a hammer to hammer a nail or to smash a window. Like, you know, it, it's not necessarily one way or the other. And I think that's where Dalek sex sort of comes to in the end. Um, and, and he attributes, it seems like that's what he's attributing, uh, to humans being the great survivors uh, is, is mm. sort of what he, he said, you know, humans are the great survivors. Uh, and, and he talks about how the focusing on just the one emotion, the hatred uh, has actually made the Daleks weaker. And that's why there's only a few of them. And yet there's this whole world of humanity, mm-hmm. you know, which is, which is out there thriving to some degree. Although Again, knowing that this is set in the Great Depression, in the Depression you know the, the, not exactly the idea of thriving—it's right. all relative, yeah. You know, yeah. Is that, but but it is there is that sense of even in the bad times, humanity is still succeeding, right? Even yeah. even even though we're in the Great Depression and we know we're just a few years away from you know huge world war, yeah. uh, there's still a 
sense there that that humanity yeah thriving may not be the best word to use but in a sense we still are you know as a race anyway even if individually many many people are suffering yeah and it's good to kind of get that perspective um in the hard times you know it kind of reminds me of rose saying that to um, i was just thinking that same thing to nancy and uh yeah um about you know, let me give you a little peek at the bigger picture. Uh, I know it doesn't look like it, but you're going to win. And you don't know how what you're currently living through might go down in the grand history of the human race. You know, what seems like the toughest time, you know, might actually be, you know, viewed differently given more context right right um or there might be noble aspect i mean like you think of you know solomon who's sort of trying to lead his community like okay he's not exactly succeeding by the standards of you know whatever normal standards we normally place on success but he's certainly a successful thriving human being who is doing the right thing and his courage is what's important not you know the fact that he's living in the slums of central park so yeah it does that it kind of is interesting that they are in the depression but compared to this race of daleks who there's only four of them left and they've pretty much been wiped out due to their own relentless pursuit of supremacy um, you know, it's a sliding scale <laughs> compared to them. The humans are actually looking pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, um, and you kind of get that too. Uh, well, you know, maybe the one thing that Tallulah does add to <laughs> the, the episode is I like the moment when she, cause apparently she's not helping with anything else. She just goes and looks out over the skyline And you kind of get the, I mean, I don't like that she's not helping, but you kind of get the romanticism of New York City in the 30s. And that idea of, uh, you know, it is the the depression, but, but, you know, there is a moment to sort of revel in the beauty of the period, even though it's a hard time. It's also, you know, kind of something slightly romantic about it, too, so... Well, you and you that's kind of get that bird's eye view a little bit, and, and that's right along with the creation of the Empire State Building, right? It's yeah, you know sure. tallest build or at least one of the tallest buildings in the world at the time, right? And and yeah, yeah I mean that's and it's the Empire State Building, right? It's yeah, they are yeah. you know of course the Daleks are going to be building that going building, to you know? yeah. Well, and and they talk a lot about too the way the the design of the Daleks are very art deco that they actually kind of do go with the Mm -hmm. design, like the, the very graphic art of the design of the buildings and everything kind of look good next to the Daleks. Like they kind of look like they're from that period a little bit. Sure. Um, And I think that actually does kind of work with the thirties and the depression that even though that had to have been hell to live through, you do get a lot of nostalgia for that period that, you know, the, the whole thing of, of old timey music and all, like there isn't, there is a nostalgic romantic aspect to that period, even though it was 
you know, not good for a lot of people. So you kind of get the idea that even the struggle itself is something to be admired, even if it's not something which is pleasant to live through. Yeah. That people persevering through, you know, difficult times is part of what makes them successful human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, sure. Definitely. Um, and so, yeah, so we get we get the point of, right, so we get Dalek Sek, who becomes this hybrid and, you know, starts having these human emotions. And to the point where, in the end, he sacrifices himself for the doctor. Yeah. Well, you know, straightforwardly. He, he does. And he saves the doctor three times in the episode. Like, like fully three times he either calls off the Daleks from shooting the doctor or at the end just jumps in front of the, or sort of stands in front of mm-hmm. the, the ray gun or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, yeah. Given the long history of animosity between the two, the, the doctor and the Daleks, it is kind of significant, hugely significant that. Right. Sec would sacrifice himself. Well, and, and you get, you're right to bring up the three different times because you do get sort of a progression there, right? It's, it's, you know, one, a tactical move, right? It's a, wait a minute, don't kill him yet. There's information I need. Right. We and need then him, yeah. two, it's a, not just information, but actually we need his help. You know, even though the other Daleks by then are sort of dubious, they still listen right. and bring him in. Right. And then the third time it's, no, he's the only one who can save us, you know? Yeah. Well, and each time it gets harder for him to control the other. Do- the first time it's yeah, kind of yeah. like, don't, don't shoot right, him. And the Daleks the are kind of like, what? Uh, okay. Yeah. The second time he has to, I mean, whether it's Khan or whichever one it is, I love that with the, the urge to kill is too strong. Like he's physically having to stop himself from shooting the doctor, but he begrudgingly obeys. And then the third time, they're having none of it, and the only way to stop is to actually get in the way. Right. Um, right. So yeah, no, it is, it is corresponding to his lo- losing control over the other Daleks. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so definitely some interesting stuff. And then on a shorter timeline scale, you get that with the Dalek slash Time Lord slash human hybrids um, right at the end there although i would i don't know i mean okay so we we get we get the doctor saying that his time lord dna got all mixed up but they also already have human dna in them so like right yeah yeah it's kind right. of a it's, weird it's all it's all three right the impression i got is it's all three mixed in. um yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, so I guess the only comment I really have to that, because it's, it's pretty quick. I mean, because yeah. once they, once <laughs> they have their own little evolution slash revolution, um, you know, and kill the, the two Daleks there, there's conveniently self-destruct mechanisms of some sort yeah. in their head. And so we never right. get to see how that plays out. Um Right. So I yeah I don't know that there's much to say about them other than that they're a convenient device to kill off a couple of Daleks, uh, yeah. 
Well, and to have the Dalek, I mean, even if they're not pure Time Lords, to once again have the Daleks wiping out whatever is left of the Time Lord. The Time Lord race can't continue that. Right. You know, this, even this other form, which might have gone on, gets sort of nipped in the bud before mm -hmm. it even goes anywhere. Right. Before it could I possibly like, tempt kinda, the doctor to do some to do you know, to become a, a mad scientist of any sort, right? Despite um, having I a like, fully equipped genetics lab at his disposal, right? I I like the way um, it kind of makes me laugh, but I like <laughs> when they tell them to kill the doctor and they say, "Why?" Yeah, but 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 why? why? <laughs> it like two year old children, yeah. like. Like, let's do this. Why? I don't know why. Just because, like, it, that it, that's what it reminds me of, is, like, yeah. infant, yeah. you know, people who just, you know, want to understand things right. and ask right. why for no purpose, so. Um, yeah. No, I, I got that same impression. Uh, and I like that their guns are whisk-shaped. Yeah. So that they match the Daleks. <laughs> that also makes me laugh. Um, so the doctor himself, so it, it was interesting to me how you were saying, like, just about his running, like pointing out his running towards them. So, you know, I guess we're meant to sort of see an evolution in him as well, uh, to some okay. degree. And, and I'm just basing this just even based on your own. Uh, explanation of it previously we saw him running away from the Daleks right and now he's mm. running at them and not necessarily to destroy and he he notices the change uh, in the Daleks when he he tells Martha you know Daleks never change their minds they they yeah. never do that so that in itself sort of triggers a change in him and his attitude yeah. to the point where he's and he even says you know I'm I may be the only one, uh, you know, who can, who who would even forgive you, and which is light years beyond where he was in the episode Dalek back in series yeah. one, where it was destroy this thing. I don't care if he's the last one or not. Get him out of here. Now he's saying, I've just seen a genocide and I won't be the cause of another. Yeah. Yeah. So no, it's and it is huge, and it's and it 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 is kind of Dalek sec that makes that change because before that it's sort of business as usual. Mm -hmm. Oh, the Daleks! I hate them. They always come back, and let's whatever. And, and how can we stop plans. them? Yeah. And 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 as soon as Dalek sec show, shows any hint of freedom of thought of any kind, of maybe we could change, then immediately he's all over it like and i kind of that i like that i like that a lot actually that like you know given what he has been through and given that you know he is more you know i think more of an open character now than where he was before um and he's already wiped out the daleks a couple times since then um or has he, seen the daleks been wiped out because it was rose yeah, who did it yeah Right. That it is as soon as they're not going to just act if there's a if there's a chance that they're not just going to act like relentless killing machines, then he's willing to try to assist them and actually try to make them 
you know, help them engineer their own race and find another planet and like the things that he's actually considering doing for them. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that he considers letting Daleks on the TARDIS just seems absolutely ridiculous in a way, but, but yeah, it's definitely triggered. I think like you said, by Daleks tech, but, but then goes beyond that to extending it to someone to, 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 yeah. Yeah. Dalek Khan, who we know has not had any of the genetic changes, but as my argument, I still stand by it, is that he has changed, at least yeah. to some degree, by the very and maybe, act and of... maybe the doctor And maybe the doctor agrees with that and senses that, right. that there's potential here, you know, for, for something different. Yeah. And I'm going to, like he says, you know, that he he always gives a chance, that I have to extend that chance, even if it doesn't... Mm-hmm come to anything mm-hmm. right well and 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 there's laszlo who asks if he trusts um i guess it's I, 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 uh he he asks the doctor if the doctor trusts dalek sack and and we mm. get the i know that one man can change the course of history right time right place i have to believe mm. that it's possible um and that's you know it, and i think you've pointed out before, or at least I think we've talked about it before. Um, just sort of like he has that, like he always has to give a chance. Right. Mm. And it's one thing to like, or going back way to the first episode of series one, you know, in Rose, it's one thing to sort of walk in on him saying to the nesting consciousness, you know, I seek parlay and, and, you know, I'm going to give you a chance yet I have this anti-plastic whatever, blah, 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 in my pocket, uh, you know, <laughs> just, just in case. case. Yeah. But, like, it's another thing, now having seen some of the history, and obviously anyone who's familiar with Classic Who, I'm sure has knows even way more about the history of him with the Daleks and, and what they can do and and their rivalry, so to speak, um, although that seems a tame term, <laughs> you know, to, to call sure. it uh, a rivalry. But, you know, it's it seems even more significant that he's still offering those sorts of uh, things to the last one of this race that has been so, you know, I mean the time war, the big time war that we still don't know Mm. all that much about. This is the thing that, you know, this, that would, they were the race that he was trying to destroy and ended up destroying his own race at the same time. And right. Now he's still offering them an olive branch of a type. You know, it's it just yeah. seems Yeah, it's it's that aspect to him, I guess, that that is likable, even if we sort of sigh and say, Well, you knew it wasn't really gonna work, was it? No. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> No. And 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 I think he knows that too, in a way. I think there's that right. hope there that it will, but yeah, because the, gest- the gesture is worth more than any expectation and, that it will actually. And the work. genuine, like not just an empty gesture; it's a genuine no, offer. He would, he would, he would do he would it actually if do it, it was accepted. And, yeah, and I think that that's it. It's that genuineness behind it that you know, even it's a genuineness without thinking that he's being naive. You know, you don't think that right, he's being right. like, "Oh, come on, you're you know some peacenik." whatever you know hippie doctor guy who's you know (laughs) 
Daleks are never going to do it. Like he knows, he knows right. they're not handing gonna... out flowers right. to the Daleks and right. stuff. Yeah. Like he knows it's not going to happen, but at that same, like that's a hard mix to do, you know, in real, in yeah. real life. I mean, with like, real people, like yeah. to be genuine and offering something to someone that, you know, they're not going to take. That's yeah. gotta be right. To be both sincere and realistic and without being completely cynical. Yeah. 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 Um, good for him. Good for him. We like you, Doctor, for that. Good job, Doctor. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we're we're down to the last couple minutes here. Um, I do want to make sure we I talk have... about Martha and Solomon. But if yes, I want to talk about them. I have one more quick thing. I think only one more quick thing to say about the Doctor, okay. which is I don't know if you get this impression. Um, the only other thing which is not so much good for you, Doctor, is. We talked about the the sex saving him three times, and to be honest, the doctor kind of puts himself in harm's way three times. And in particular, uh, I mean, he does this kind of recklessly, you know, he's confronting the Daleks, he's getting himself electrocuted, he's sort of throwing himself around, you know, which is good for him. I mean, he's willing to sort of put his life on the line, you know, on a regular basis, and that's very admirable but there's one there's one time in particular when they're in hooverville yeah where solomon's just been killed and it really doesn't seem like it would serve any purpose for him to taunt the daleks and you get him screaming at the dalek to just end it just do it um yeah and you get that i just want to bring that up you get that little sense of death wish is too strong of a term i don't think he's on a you know he's on a it's mission not like suicide, suicide. Yeah, yeah. he's not on a mission to commit but i think there is a hint of that that wasn't necessarily there i don't think when rose was around you got the doctor doing stuff like mm. that where he would sort of tempt fate in that way of tempt fate like or the daleks got, yeah you got him willing to risk his life <laughs> right, right. like he does here you know in the pursuit of a noble cause but I think that's the first time you get him sort of taunting an enemy for no purpose other than just to to taunt them and could potentially get himself killed doing that. Sure, sure. So I just wanted to, I, I feel like that's a, I mean, and done in a moment of passion because they saw him, he saw them just shoot someone on the spot for, you know, no reason. But, um, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to bring that up because I think that's a slightly nuanced direction that we haven't really seen before. I, yeah. And I guess the only thing that I was thinking about at that point, cause I, I do see what you're saying and I don't think that I thought of it quite in the way that you're, you're saying it now, although I, I certainly understand your point. I think the way I was thinking of it was more, can it save? can by killing me, Will the Daleks be so happy that it'll save the human? But, I mean, we know that that's not going to be the case because we know that the Daleks' right. goal is to take over the entire planet. And I think he and, would be naive to think that. Right, you right, know? right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. That's an interesting thought. I hadn't thought of it quite the way that you're saying, so I don't, I don't know that I have a better idea than I just, that. And I don't and – and again, I'm not – that's not to say that he's now on a suicide mission. But I think it's hand-in-hand hand with that hint of – darkness that's come back in 
you know, with the loss of Rose, mm -hmm. of, mm -hmm. you know, there being a little bit more of that kind of uh, zest for life is a little bit less, maybe, than it, what it used to be. Yeah. Huh. Well, and his his willingness to leave Martha behind. Yeah. So let's talk about Martha Which for you've a minute. Gotta, you've got to understand her being like, don't go because I don't want to get stuck here. Are you kidding well, me? Well, not like, only don't I want to get stuck here, but but what's going to happen to me if you're if yeah. I'm not with you? Or what's going to happen to you if I'm not with you? Yeah. Or whatever. Whereas yeah. Rose would have just gone with him. Like been whatever. Right. And we get a hint of that with Martha where um, – so so she stays in the the Hooverville, mm -hmm. but then later she refuses to to stay behind. You know, yeah, he's yeah. like Martha. That's an order. Who are you then? Some sort of Dalek, like ordering me around. And and yeah. I like that. Like there's there's definitely that. Okay, you know, burn me once, shame on you. Burn me twice, shame on me. No, I'm not going to leave you yeah. this time. That's just not how it's going to be. And by the way, you're being a dick about it. But um. Yeah. But I think, well, and then there's the moment, right, where <laughs> they are reunited and he just is sort of like he's just in, you know, trying to do what he can do to whatever. And she's like, oh, by the way, I missed you, too, or whatever, like she says there. And and there's yeah. that hug. And then, like, immediately he regrets, like, the hug and, and like, Giving, you yeah, know, blames yeah. it, uh, blames the yeah. elevator going down on you know, never waste your time on a Wasting hug or what. time, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. like... No, again, it's those mixed signals of, of I, I, I want you here, but I don't. Right. And, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, and I don't know, I don't know that there's much more to say about Martha than, than those couple of things. I mean, she, she is willing to jump in and she's, I don't know, takes her a little while longer than I would have expected maybe to figure out what to do with the psychic paper, but um, <laughs> yeah. maybe she doesn't have all the knowledge <laughs> that we have as viewers. So we'll, we'll right. give her the, the benefit of the doubt there. She does figure it out anyway, and she does figure out what's going on with the architecture stuff and all of that. Mm. So, yeah, so the only other some thing, of that, I, the only other thing I wanted to bring up with Martha was um, her, uh, killing of the pigmen um yeah and she has that moment of realization that they were people and i killed them um and i wondered i don't know that rose ever had a moment like that really the only time that rose that i can think of i could be wrong but the only thing similar would be rose wiping out you know the daleks and a there's a difference between evil imperialist Daleks and <laughs> poor pig slaves that used to be human beings. Well, like, evil imperialist Daleks who were <laughs> actively threatening you and everyone yeah, you exactly. like. And, yeah, yeah. And, and then, yeah, so there's that. And then also with Rose, she, it wasn't, it was the bad wolf. Like, it was as much the TARDIS as it was, if not more so, than it was Rose mm. in that moment that... She didn't even really fully remember afterwards. She kind of wakes up right. not really realizing what she's done. And she never really has a moment of, and I don't know that she should have, but she never really has any introspective moments of regret about that. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, here we get a companion 
you know, choosing to kill what were once human beings. Mm -hmm. And, you know, especially someone who's training to be a doctor and who's, right, you right, know, Hippocratic oath and all that. Yeah. He has a, a Hippocratic oath. And so you get her, you know, having to realize that she just took, even though, you know, as Laszlo points out, it was really, you know, you really have to put more blame at the feet of the Daleks. Still, I think that's an interesting moment for the companion to sort of realize uh, what she's done. These aren't and just to, monsters. They And having yeah. to live with that. Um, yeah. So I think that's something kind of interesting for Martha's character. Yeah. No, I, I think that's right. Um, yeah. I Well, another sort of convenient thing, too, is that it's not like they would have lasted very long anyway. <laughs> right. You know, like <laughs> yeah. it's another just like with with the human Daleks. It's, you know, we know that they none of them lasted more than a couple of weeks. So, yeah. All right. We killed them off a little early just so they don't kill us off first. You know what I mean? Like, right, it's right. it's. A yeah, little convenient in, self, in that way, but I and it is in self defense. You know, it doesn't make Martha into right. A, you know, a bad person, but I think that's just an experience that Rose never. I don't think Rose ever really butchered a whole bunch of. You right. know. Yeah, electrocuted of, a bunch of pigmen in an in an elevator. No, Rose never did that. Rose definitely um, didn't do that. No, but I do think. I mean, it goes back again to to sort of seeing. Right. So Martha is thinking more like an engineer. Right. You know, she's thinking more scientifically about how to defeat these people versus. I mean, yeah, we've never really seen Rose in that situation, but like you get the feeling like she would have just been rushing in to like, I don't know, punch them in the nose or something like, you know what I mean? Like we don't get this. I never got the sense that Rose would be like creating this elaborate conduit to make the lightning, you know, go down right, the elevator right. shaft to stop the pigmen. Right. Martha's, Martha's means are more efficient, maybe a little too efficient. Mm. And, and it's only when it's done that she goes, crap, what did I just do? You right. know, well, it's sort of that she has to sort of realize the implications of what she just right. did. It's sort of that idea of, you know, you have the theoretical scientists working in the background and not thinking about. So I, I recently read um, science, liberty and peace by Aldous Huxley, which is his, his essay. Uh, you know, the, the guy who wrote brave new world, of course, uh, uh -huh. this is his essay in the, in the mid forties that he wrote kind of about, idea you know the idea of applied science and how governments use you know um specifically talking about things like the atom bomb which obviously was just mm -hmm. recently used in world war ii and and all of that and how um you know governments use it to kind of oppress people and all this blah 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 so but like it's it's that idea right of you have you know you're thinking about things in this sort of scientific way and not thinking about the human and and in a way, I guess that almost correlates nicely with the lack of emotional um, response, right? Well, I mean, we know the Daleks are pure hatred, so in a way they're pure emotion, but it's it's that ignoring of your emotional side and, and saying, okay, let's put my engineer's mind or my scientific mind to this and think about it in this you know, way, how can we most effectively yeah. stop these people? Oh, you know, we can use electricity to do this, and if we build this conduit we can do this and um 
Yeah, and then like you said, it's it's not till the after that you think, hmm, maybe that's mm. not such a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, you'll notice I've not mentioned Tallulah at all, even though you brought her up and tried to bait me. <laughs> you you steadfastly ignored. I had line, I had line. one bullet point for Tallulah, annoying. <laughs> that may be unfair. Yeah. I stand by it. We shall move on. I I won't. I won't argue. Um, okay. Anything else? I think we're good. We, you know, it's funny because we were kind of worried uh, before starting the podcast about whether we'd so be we able to fill in, <laughs> fill in the time, um, which makes me worry about how much over we're going to go with Buffy because we have a ton. <laughs> I know if we got so much out of this episode to talk about yeah, with Buffy, we have a lot of ground to cover, so we better. We better start. And I will I'll give you the warning that I already gave you, but I'll give it again on on record. We have to talk about everything in part one tonight because we do not have time to talk about part one yeah. when we get to part two. Because we're already gonna push the <laughs> limit with part two. I yes. bet. Yeah. Um so take her away. Oh, okay. So becoming part one. So we are getting the angel backstory yes yes and i know we've been and we're getting waiting that, for this a bit too sure yeah and we we're getting extended flashbacks showing angel becoming angel mm-hmm. i guess he's becoming um, yes yes and and sort of the choices and circumstances which led him so maybe we'll just go through the flash take them one by one yeah okay. um why not all right um so we start in uh, Galway, 1753, so we know what time period he is officially from. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we get the the voiceover, which is sort of that there are moments in your life that make you, mm-hmm. that set the course of who you're going to be. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're little subtle moments. Sometimes they're not. I'll show you what I mean. So setting the tone, you know, for mm-hmm. the, these are all about the little and not so little moments. Mm-hmm. Um, right. These are the highlights now, of a- Angel's now, life. Yeah. Now, so we make a distinction here. You mentioned that at some point, although not necessarily in this episode, yeah. we do learn Angel's human given name. Right. His, his pre-vampire um, name. I th- yeah, yeah, we could. It, it's Liam. It's, it, okay. it's not that big of a secret. I mean, you're going to find that. In yeah. like on the Wikipedia page and stuff like that for Angel, yeah. so it, I don't think it's giving anything away. Even though we right, and just for the here. sake of clarity, it helps us distinguish yeah. Liam the human, Angelus and Angelus the the soulless vampire, <laughs> and Angel the be soul in soul vampire in soul. Yeah. So we have three distinct right. personalities. Yep. So so Liam is uh from Ireland. Mm-hmm. And so he stumbles drunk out of a pub. So interesting. You kind of get this picture of Liam as sort of a, at least in this particular instance, a, a kind of a layabout, you know, yeah, I don't know whether, well, you know, wh- how many implications we can draw from this, but he's kind of out partying at the local pub. Yeah. And this seems to be, he's kind of a rake <laughs> and kind of a, of, you know. Well, okay, and he he stumbles out of the pub with someone who's presumably a good friend, 
who sure. falls down drunk in the middle of the street and he leaves him there to go chase a woman down a street chase the pretty skirt yeah um and yeah. and we it get doesn't... him say well i just want to point out too we get him saying to darla oh what's a woman like you doing in a street that has a reputation like this right mm. so he clearly knows what he's doing when he's running down this street chasing yes. this woman and it, right and... this isn't an isolated incident right. and you get the impression which is very interesting. I didn't really see that coming. You get the impression of Liam as not, you know, a particularly noble or together person <laughs> before he became a vampire. No, nope, that's the impression um, that you definitely get. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I don't I don't know why I had I guess because the angel we've got to know as the sensitive insold vampire is so sort of uh sober all the time mm. and so sort of uh, uh serious and focused yeah. and that's the personality so i think i just assumed that that would be consistent with his human form but it doesn't really seem to no. be that he was kind of uh you know just a you know spreading his wild oats having a good time not really yeah putting much seriousness into much of anything, it seems. So, um, I mean, it's a lot to infer from the little bit that we get, but I think we're supposed to get... No, I think you are inferring... This is supposed to be the vivid impression of what kind of guy this is. I think you're doing very well inferring. (laughs) Um, and, And I think that, yeah, in a way... Becoming a vampire is the best thing that ever happened to him, right? And not <laughs> yeah. not sort of in the way right. that you would normally think of in in the usual vampire tropes of oh, you know, eternal youth or whatever. But it, we see that you know, yes, okay, he does. We know go around and kill a bunch of people and and whatever, and that that's bad. But a hundred, however many years later, you know, um we find that he does eventually find some purpose to his life. Right. And, right. and it's contrasting with clear purposelessness right. at the beginning. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, it is, it is clearly a good moment. Now I want to, I want to mention a few things about this cause I want to tie it into some production um, notes with, with Darla here, but what else from a character perspective, do you have anything before I kind of go into that? Uh, I have two things. Okay. One is his, they're kind of back and forth about, you know, we've talked about this before that, that you can't become a vampire by just getting bitten by one, right. that that has to be, you're responsible for your state as the vampire because there has to be an, an element of choice, mm-hmm. right? You have to choose to drink. I mean, to a certain, to a certain extent, extent, maybe, yeah. maybe people can be sort of, you know, pressed into it or whatever, but there's an element of you choose to accept, Mm -hmm. you know, to drink the blood of the vampire. So, so you get some motivation of that, of her kind of in a doctorish sort of way, teasing him with seeing the universe. I got a very strong, I'm looking for a companion. companion. Yeah. He's, she's auditioning her new companion and, and Liam is the guy and he wants to see the world and she's going to show him. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of his, He's stuck in some sort of rut and looking for excitement. Um, yeah. And the other thing I wanted to point out was that the the means of her, of him drinking her blood is a direct 
homage to Dracula mm. because in the novel, Dracula cuts his chest and Mina Harker, that's how she drinks mm. the blood. Um, which even though she doesn't become a full vampire, it gives her all her psychic vampiric abilities or whatever. Sure. So that being a nice little homage to mm-hmm. the great, you know, vampire story of them all. Right, right. So those would be my two other things that I sure. took from that scene. Well, so, and um, the only other thing that I'll point out is, you know, she tells him to close your eyes. Um, mm. And the reason I want to point that out is because that's actually the name of the theme song that we hear played later. Um, oh, okay. Uh, and we've heard, so we've heard um, there, there's when they're, um, when Angel and Buffy are talking and you hear that little, the doo 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 doo. Um, and, and, mm-hmm. and that we've heard that before. It was in Surprise, right at the end of um, that episode when they're sitting mm-hmm. on the bed together. Uh, okay. and, and, uh-huh. and it's a recurring, I, I, I think it becomes like a, like a motif. S- sort of recurring motif. Okay. I want to point this out because that's the name of that tune is actually close your eyes. Um, and this is this episode becoming part one is the second Emmy that, um, Buffy as a series won. Um, won the 1998 primetime Emmy for outstanding music composition, specifically mm-hmm. for the music in this episode. And uh, Christoph Beck is is the composer of that uh, of that song, and it and it was him who who won. So, um, okay, cool. Yeah, so very very uh, sort of nice allusion there to to her saying that to him. Um, to close your eyes and 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 the the theme song running through and I I, love, I point I, I sorry sorry go ahead I'll let I, you I was just gonna say I point it out because there may be other illusion there will be other illusions um, to that and you'll hear the theme song again so I I do want to point out um, another sort of it, it actually in surprise. Um, they actually just call it the Buffy Angel love theme. Um, so it okay. actually has a different name. And and I think it's a slightly different, you know, uh, modification of the tune in, in Surprise as okay. well. So, um, but it's it's a very noticeable and it's used, um, again, you know, throughout throughout the series, just kind of in, in different ways. And, and there's some nice little ties uh and we'll be we'll talk about christoph beck again good composer he he did a lot of stuff for buffy um and angel so uh just wanted to sort of point out that phrase close your eyes and the mm. the link to the song there and and the music um that's going on uh in this no, episode especially and also because it it won an award um, yeah no that Two things. One, I'm glad you pointed that out because I'll now be on the lookout both for the that melody but also for that phrase, close your eye. Like mm-hmm. that, you know, I mean, maybe they'll never use it again, but if they do, that's it'll be a nice, yeah. uh, you know, echo mm-hmm. of, you know, I wouldn't necessarily have picked up on the significance of that line. Right. So that's good to right. know. And the other thing I was just starting to say was that I really like in, you know... Movies do this, but I think especially in TV shows that go on for several years, the music can really help to build 
yeah. character and theme and, 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 and Doctor Who definitely does this too, that you get motifs and themes associated with different characters or different thematic, you mm-hmm. know, strands that just, you know, I, you may not even be able, you, you may not even be thinking of how one scene relates to another, but if they use a similar music cue, mm-hmm. it can remind you to think, you know, actually I was just, the, the Doctor Who Christmas special was on last night. Um, and there was once or twice where the music prompted me to remember things from past episodes that I wouldn't have thought sure. of if the music hadn't said, yeah. oh, remember this thing from three seasons ago or something. So um, I think it's good to pay attention to that stuff. Yeah, because, absolutely. Again, especially for these shows that go on for years and years, it really helps to sort of build the, the continual story and everything. Yep, yep. So... Um. Cool. Good stuff. Well, so that was the first flashback. <laughs> yeah. So now let's go into the next one. With okay. So Drew Sullivan, London, right? London, eighteen sixty, with Drew. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Angelus is posing as a priest and <laughs> sort of taking extemporaneously. A- yeah. Poor, yeah. <laughs> He's like <laughs> taking taking poor Drew's. Oh, poor Drew confesses to this. Yeah. Um, and. We kind of get the idea that this is the beginnings of his torment of her. Mm-hmm. That she's interestingly confessing these visions which predate her becoming a vampire. Right. That this seems to be something which is natural to her. That she has this precognitive, mm-hmm. you know, ability. Which she's being told by her Catholic mother are is evil. Right. And must be, you know... you know got rid of Mm -hmm. and um and of course angelus uses this as an opportunity to you know wreak havoc on her on her psyche and emotional state (laughs) um so you know and he says god is watching you that you know both putting that fear in her and also kind of thinking of himself as this sort of omnipotent godlike figure Mm. who is just can control her and watch her and know everything about her. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the impression I get is that this is his first foray into the torture, the psychological torture, which is going to lead to him biting her further down the line. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is definitely the moment of infatuation with Drusilla. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and I was trying to think, I don't, I don't know if we ever get, she doesn't say her name here. Like we don't get her pre vampire name um, no. here either. And I don't know if we no, ever so do. We don't know if, if she has one. What it yeah, is. I can't, I can't remember if we ever do get a different name for her or if it, or if she just keeps it. Um, right. Anyway. And I guess, I mean, Drusilla and Darla seem more like names. Whereas now that you point out that Angel's name used to be Liam, I can see how Angel is as much a title as it is, you know, mm-hmm. or, or or Angelus. That it's an it's an ironic sort of title that he's given himself, like Spike is. Well, there more there's so a specific person sort of... who gives him Angelus, and we'll we'll find that Ooh, out later in the series. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, it's. I mean, that makes sense once you say it. Yeah. Whereas Drusilla seems more like a name, more like a name which you're given, you right. know less like 
less of that sort of um, self-awareness of right. Yeah. yeah, Angel and Spike seem more like in a different category, mm-hmm. maybe. Yep. Um, yeah. Did we get? Did you have any? I can't remember. Did did, did we get Spike's uh, reason? William the Bloody. No, uh, I know. We... Yeah, he uses railroad spikes. Okay. Yeah. To, I, I couldn't remember. If, like torture people. Or I something. couldn't remember yeah. if that was said already in the in, in right. what we've seen. Okay. Yeah. No. No. I I think you're right. I mean, that's the moment. You know, we've already talked about sort of angels infatuation with drew and and vice versa um this is definitely the beginnings of that and it's sort of maybe some of the maybe some of the origins of her sort of kind of twisted dementia anyway that if he's sort of planting in her this idea that you really are evil and you should just embrace it well no wonder we get a completely batty Mm -hmm. you know sort of insane incarnation when she becomes the vampire, that she really has embraced her own evil. Yep. Um, so you kind of maybe get the idea that part of that has to do with what it is that he's telling her. Yeah. That she's sort of believing what he's telling her. Yeah. Um, going against her own desire to be good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's all. That's all right. I don't have anything really to add. All right. Um, so on to flashback three. All right. Number three is the Romanian woods in 1898. Mm-hmm. So we get to see, you know, the newly deceased, uh, you know, favorite girl of the gypsies. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're cursing him uh, with the, his soul. Yeah. Um, and really interesting. I think the most interesting thing about it is that when the soul comes back in. He doesn't remember at first mm-hmm. what all he's been doing as the vampire. Right. That it's not like the human is is aware but but suppressed. It's that it's he's been somewhere else. That he literally has no idea. And then it's only, you know, after a couple seconds the realization of all the memories kicks in. Mm-hmm. Um like at first he doesn't even know he might as well still be in Ireland for all he knew. He, It's like he just went to sleep and woke up. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, you know, the idea that the torture, and I think we've gotten this before, but just that the torture is that he continuously sees the faces of he, of, of the people he killed, that they haunt him and mm. that, once he does remember, once he gets past that initial amnesia, yeah. that that's what tortures him. Um, yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Bummer. Bummer. <laughs> oh. And again, we've pointed out the logical flaws of this before, which is that you're punishing the human for things which the vampire did, which is sort of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and maybe a, we a can get into logic. that even because yeah. <laughs> because that's what. Buffy brings up later, right? Is that it's not what happened to Angel is not his fault. Right. Although Liam does choose to become a vampire. So, you know, it's that, it's that chain of events sort of thing. Like how far back do you go? Yeah. Yeah, You can always go far back enough to blame any particular person. But then if you go one step further, you know, who else is yeah. to blame? Who else is to blame? Who else is to blame? So, 
So right. I definitely and, think and we can we can see the chain of events here. Um, and you can blame Liam for a certain amount, but could you necessarily say that he knowingly? Um, you can't say that he knew all that he would go on to do. Right? Can you put can you put the entire weight of every future sin on that one moment of? You Where know, he just thinks he's going to go traveling with some woman he just met. Yeah, I mean, is that a mistake in that moment? Sure, but does that mean we back issue every mistake right. he's going to make and put it in that moment? That seems unfair. Right. Or do you? So, or do you blame Darla? But then you have to go back to her origination. You know then, who turned her exactly, and right. and and how you know. Yeah, no, there's that's right. what, and that's in a way kind of the whole point of this episode with, with even the, the opening that you were talking about is, you know, it's the moments. There are moments. Some of them are big. Some of them are small. And and we get that in the postscript too, which we mm. can, we can refer to later, but yeah, no, yeah. I think that's, that's exactly right. I mean, we've, like you said, we've talked about sort of the, you know, this it's vengeance, not justice we serve, right? It's, this is the yeah. vengeance is to torture him with a soul, but, who's being tortured like the soul right. was gone so right yeah who are right. you really Vengeance, torturing? whether it's just or not right. um so um yeah so on to the next flashback the final flashback right right uh manhattan no i'm sorry Man- yeah it is well yeah. it is it starts in manhattan but then moves it starts on in Man- so we'll talk about manhattan first um and I want to talk about Whistler, but let's talk about Angel first, and then we'll go back to Whistler and everything. Well, I don't know. Maybe we'll just talk about Whistler now. Sure. Uh, Whistler is an enigma. Okay. Wrapped in a riddle. <laughs> um, but to start with Angel, at least, he's basically, it seems, been living a sort of nomadic, homeless, destitute life right. for the almost century since his he got his soul back. And you really I guess we kind of knew this or maybe I just didn't really put it together. Buffy is definitely his first you know substantive relationship of any kind since he got his soul back is the implication I think. I mean maybe that will maybe we'll learn more that contradicts that but it seems like he's been pretty much on his own ever since Mm-hmm. you know back with the gypsies that definitely is the implication is the impression yeah. we're getting yeah yeah no so, and that not only has he not had any meaningful relationships but he's been actively avoiding having yeah, any yeah. relationship with anyone yeah. so right. yeah it's it's not like he's been trying to and just doesn't find anyone willing no no you know, exactly <laughs> no he's he's isolated himself for yeah. almost an entire century yeah um, um and his and his struggling because of that isolation which whistler points out right 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 and he doesn't yeah he he doesn't even learn more uh other means to take care of himself like getting blood from the butcher the butcher rather from than whatever like just because you're a good vampire who doesn't kill people doesn't mean there are there aren't better ways to take care of yourself right like but because he doesn't have any communication He's ignorant as to other ways he might be living. Yeah, you'd think you know. after ninety whatever or almost a hundred years, he'd 
Right. He, he would have figured out a better and blood way. banks and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He'd be a little more street smart, perhaps. Um, right. So, um, yeah. So, so we got Whistler <laughs> comes in. So what do you, what do you think about Whistler? Whistler is really interesting. So Whistler is apparently not his only name or it hasn't always been his name. He says something about, uh, that's what, yeah, that's it, lately. It's, it's my, my name, name lately. lately. He somehow, knows who Angel is, knows everything about him. He Which at says, this point, I mean I books mean, have been written on Angel, right? Sure. So like no, right, like right. we know that but Giles knows out, things too. That's true, but he figures out where he is. He tracks him down, you know, that you know, presumably if Angel isolated himself, most people maybe don't know where he went. Um so this whistler guy He's able to find does him. and yeah. found him. Um, he seems to be representing some community consortium of, per se. Oh <laughs> yeah, that, that this is a recruitment. He he says he wants you know, good thing you're on our side, yep. stuff like that. Yep. Um, so we don't really get any sense of who it is he is working for, representing. He says he's a demon, mm-hmm. but he's not a bad guy. So. Kind of defensively. Getting, like maybe it's yeah, not the first time yeah. he's had to try to convince someone of this. Yeah. So so he's a good guy who is also a demon. So that's interesting. Because mm-hmm. um, we haven't met any. We've met good. We've met. We've met angels. The only good vampire, I guess, that we've met. And that's only because of the soul. So we've. We've not yet met any demons who could claim to be good guys, you know, you know, for their demonness or in spite of their demonness. Yeah. Um, and and again, whoever he's representing is engineering help for Buffy is what it seems that they're aware of the fact that Buffy is the new slayer. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether they always get help for every Slayer or whether Buffy's a unique case. And for yeah. some reason, Angel's the guy for the job. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is all very intriguing, and we don't really get any uh, anything other than those hints. Yeah. So, And here's so. the interesting thing about it to me, is that one, yes, so Whistler is taking him to go see the new slayer. He angel is there present when Buffy finds out that she's the new slayer. Right. Buffy doesn't know. She it doesn't yet. even know it yet. So right. it's interesting that Whistler has this knowledge in time to seek out angel to get him in advance to yeah. this, this place. So I, there may or may not be implications right. he's there. Very, I, he's very well informed and yeah. very well connected. Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, no, I mean, he definitely seems to be working with or for some group. Um, yeah, he's a demon of some kind, or at least part demon or something. And he, you've brought up before the sort of the question of, you know, are vampires people, you know, do they have emotions? We've talked about. Vampires are people too. Yeah, are, you know, we've talked about Spike and Drew and, and the judge's judgment that they stink of humanity and, you know, right. that they have affection and, and that kind of stuff. So 
you know, I think this is one more sort of chink in the armor of, yeah, are all demons slash vampires slash whatever, you know, necessarily bad. Is there, or, or what do we, what are we even calling demon? Um, right. You know, is, yeah, are, are they bad or, or is there other shades of gray sort of in between, you know, human good and demon bad. And we've seen bad humans too. So like, it's not like all humans are good. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. same can be said now, I think about demons, not necessarily all demons are bad. And and so where do, what do we do with that? I don't know. We can do much right, with it other than to the say possibility, that. The possibility that demon doesn't have, necessarily moral significant so much as another class of being Mm -hmm. you know that another type of being which may tend to be rather Mm -hmm. evil and monstrous but might not necessarily be so yep um i do want to bring up just since we're talking about this flashback and we're talking about angel seeing buffy although not meeting her because their first meeting isn't until the beginning of this series um, in welcome to the Hellmouth, but mm. uh, he does see her. And so we get to see these flashbacks, which uh, the one, the flashbacks that have Buffy in them are. Yeah, no, I was going to ask about this because I, it's been so long since I saw the movie. Uh-huh. I wanted to ask about how this conflicts or gels with the movie yeah. and, and, uh, just give us, I guess, just give us some context the, about that. So, and your instincts are on the. So we talked about um, as ever. We, <laughs> we talked about uh, in our first episode of our podcast how the movie um, was not to Joss Whedon's original script. Mm. These flashbacks are based on Whedon's script, so. Um, this is what should have been, or what he would have there, liked to have been. There are. There are aspects of it that I mean, uh, uh, an obviously much shortened version. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, obviously we're not getting the whole script here. The part there are parts that we see that pretty much follow his script. Plus Angel, like I mean, you know what I mean? Okay, like yeah. Angel, I don't think was in the original script. Although I'm not yeah. entirely positive on that because I've not actually read you know um, the origin, which is the comic that was based on the original script and I haven't, I haven't read the original script itself. Um, Mm. but those are kind of like, yeah, it's like Whedon's original script plus (laughs) angel make up, you know, this, this flashback. So, but we are getting, so the, the, the watcher there, um, is, and is he a watcher? Is that what we're meant to be? He's the Donald Sutherland character from the movie. He is. Okay. I did wonder that. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. He is he is the Donald Sutherland character from the movie. He is a watcher. He yeah, a peer of Giles. He probably knew Giles, you know, or Giles knew of him or whatever. Um so yeah, so that's that's all there. And and the like the scene in the in the graveyard where she, you know, she misses the heart and whatever. That's like right out of the movie. Like that that scene I believe actually takes place very similarly to that um mm. in the movie. So yeah, so it's you know it's it's definitely making a tie to that story from the movie, and then we see kind of like the argument with 
her parents um, or hear more than see (laughs) the argument with the parents and stuff. And, and I don't know if that particular uh, scene is in the movie or not, but it's, it's again, it's making that tie and also to just sort of see how closely all of that happened. Right. You know, cause that was when she was in school. Right. And, and, and then right a year earlier or something. Yeah. And, and, and then it was that, you know, between then and the beginning of the the um, first series, you know, that summer or whatever that they moved. Um, so, yeah. So anyway, so, yeah, definitely ties back to all of that. Um, Although you do get the impression that they've been having that this is a recurring fight, that this isn't with her parents. Yeah. Yeah. That this isn't the first time they've had this argument. So, no. As much as we might want to look to her becoming the Slayer as sort of the inciting incident for the breakup, it's not the only element because this is her first night out slaying and it's not like this one lie precipitated everything. It's like, no, this is, you know, a a tension in the relationship which has gone back a ways. So, you know, it is kind of interesting to see that that's not that can't all be put down to her having to sort of cover up her identity. Um, no, but it, it, but it doesn't help. It, <laughs> no, you're right that that's not the cause, but from her perspective, you can see it why it seems to be, you yeah. can see why yeah. in other, well, because they're fighting about her. Yeah, yeah. You can see why in other, you know, episodes we've, we've already seen her sort of feeling guilty or, or, yeah. you know, whatever um yeah no totally understandable why she would feel that way so we we've discussed in all of our time so far only the flashbacks (laughs) we might want to talk about the actual story at some point here (laughs) so all right let's 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 finish up angel okay and talk about sort of his present day storyline um well and, and the last the last conclusion about the flashbacks being that it's buffy that you know gives him purpose the decision yeah. to yeah to give him purpose and decides to sort of do something with himself and help her um and it's her it's not just some abstract cause that he is fighting for it's he feels empathy for her mm-hmm. um which is kind of interesting we didn't know that at all before no um so but in the present, Angelus is determined to destroy everything. And uh, so they've, I mean, I guess let's talk about, I mean, the only other really thing, Angel in the present day is really just uh, getting the latest doomsday plan together. Right, of, right. You know. <laughs> gonna get the get the get the latest uh world eating demon and set up Buffy, which of course works like a charm. Right. Um so I I mean unless you have anything else to say in particular about his character, I'd wanna talk about a Akathla. Um Yeah. And the sort of mythological N- stuff. No, any I think anything about his character will come through in Akathla because that's that's yeah. what he's trying to do. And yeah, so Akathala, demon. Demon. I like the the kind of 
inverted twisted fairy tale elements. You mentioned this before we started recording that that he, you know, it's it's like pulling the sword out of the stone mm-hmm. that, you know, you need a worthy per- but of course this is not a good kind of worthy person. This is worthy of evil and it will lead to right. you know, hell coming through, not and- Deliverance. And, and I like how Spike is sort of the Cordelia character here, right? Stating the yeah. stating the obvious. So it's a big rock. Can't wait to tell my yeah. friends. They don't have a rock this big. And then they don't have a rock and then a little big. bit later, let me guess, someone pulls out the sword, you know, from the big yeah. rock. <laughs> Demon yeah. wakes up, wackiness ensues. Yeah. No, it's so yeah, I mean, some pretty clear allusions, I think, to to that story. But um and 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 behind that, the the idea of worthiness, but worthiness here being something evil, right? Like the, yeah. you have to yeah. be evil enough to not good enough, but not noble enough, but evil enough to be able right. to start the the apocalypse or or whatever. Right, um, and you kind of get hints of Saint George and the dragon that there's a, a virtuous knight, mm-hmm. you know, with a with a blessed sword. Oh, you know, kind of giving you a medieval flavor, um, and then he, he, he turned into stone as demons sometimes do. <laughs> right. So you think of maybe, what did Gandalf trick him into staying up so the sunlight came up, or like oh, you, right, you right, get that right. idea of, of, <laughs> you know, demons turning into stone. You know, so there's a lot of kind of fairy tale motifs. Yeah, although that whole as demons sometimes do. I don't know that we ever see another demon who turns into stone and in, in Buffy or Angel. No, but, <laughs> but I like th- I like that though. I like that though because I think that right. has roots in real world fairy tales. So it gives that idea of all stories being from the same universe, sure, and that there are sure. it has roots in all of these, you know, things which we tell mm-hmm. you know bedtime stories about and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Kind of makes it a little bit more magical, I think. Yep. Yeah. And so what happens when the sword gets pulled out, of course, is that Akathla sucks the world into hell. Um, mm. And there's a little bit of retconning here. I just want to say, I just want to point out with how Giles explains it, because he talks about a demon dimension and, yeah, you mentioned this before. Um, well, finish what you're saying. No, and and okay, if I have mentioned this before, I I don't remember exactly how I was talking about it, but but yeah, just the idea that um, there's more of a multiverse sort of thing going on here than right. than a like a supernatural hell, uh, you know, sort of thing like that that this is. You know, we're calling this demon a thing, but that there's something, I don't know if scientific is quite the right word to go on, but it's not quite, you know, supernatural. It's not, I mean, and Buffy even says, oh, so like the literal hell, you mean, but like at the same time, you're getting this feeling of, it's, it's another not the literal hell. It, yeah, it's, it's another dimension. Yeah. It's a dimension where people can't live and they'll be tortured to death because there's evil creatures there. Certainly, but it's not like heaven and hell in a God and Satan sort of way. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, Yeah, no, I think you had sort of mentioned that before. So that didn't surprise me so much because I kind of had gotten the impression. um, And I think that goes along with 
the idea that demons not again not that they're not generally bad mm-hmm. but it goes along with them not just being morally you know evil beings but another class of being right like a separate race of being mm-hmm. um because it's not just that they're bad it's that they're from somewhere else right right um and actually it is pretty similar to doctor who with the void which they also refer to as hell right. um and if you get sucked into it basically you know you live in eternal nothingness which is effectively hell mm-hmm. so it's kind of interesting that they kind of yeah. I wonder if Russell Davies had that had this in mind when he yeah and I I don't when know he wrote Doomsday he could have because I know he's a Buffy fan so mm-hmm. um, and 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 kind it could of a be, similar idea um so yeah ho- well hopefully I, I didn't spoil it because I don't remember specifically mentioning that before but um they're, no, they're, well, I, I do think that this is a change though from how you know you didn't you didn't spoil it but I've I've had that impression okay. that 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 hell for the demons might not be hell in a biblical sense, right. but might be more to do with sci-fi rather than yeah you yeah know. and and I think but I do think that that's sort of uh, a change in how we're taught to think about you know the hell mouth and and that sort of thing from season one. So I I do see this right. as sort of a, a a slight and but clever and and an interesting one for later seasons um yeah. way well, of it, way it, of explaining it opens up the idea of people like whistler being on the good guy team mm-hmm. because maybe he's not evil he's not an evil demon he's some sort of other type of being who's from somewhere else mm-hmm. um and and it kind of opens up the possibility of there being you know, different types of different shades of good and evil within, you know, yeah. even though it would be hell for humans to travel there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, I don't want to get, you know, too far down that road because we will talk about that later <laughs> in the series. <laughs> um, but just, but the implication here is that yes, definitely anyone who gets sucked into this particular dimension will find themselves in a hellish place and uh for all eternity yeah will not will not be too happy with that so we still want to stop this from happening or buffy and team does um so moving on uh well what else i guess do do you want to talk about buffy for a bit because she's the one actually stopping uh or Uh, attempting to stop all of it or or did you have more about a and the whole um, uh, uh no no let's go on to well actually let's do kendra and drusilla first and then we'll go oh, through okay. the rest of the characters sure, really sure. quick um i mean the 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 net result of the the plan being uh well that angel isn't worthy and he can't pull out the sword which is interesting so <laughs> and spikes what, taunting of him what yeah Someone's so, not worthy. so what what does make one worthy and mm. who will be i someone's got to pull that sword out so i'm wondering who it's going to be and what is the criteria which makes them worthy that's interesting so um 
so on to plan B, which we kind of don't know what it is yet, because he sort of sets up the trap for Buffy again, which she falls for again. Um, and they uh, steal off Giles for we don't know what purpose yet, which is interesting. Um, and and Drusilla kills poor Kendra, mm. who turned up just in enough time to give Buffy a blessed sword and her lucky stake. And she, I think, should have held on to the stake because... Right, because she misses went, it. The luck went with the stake, yeah. I think. Um, so... Yeah, yeah. Poor Kendra. And, uh, poor Kendra. Um, that... So we get Drusilla being another killer, you know, another slayer killer. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with... Right, and we with, we already with, know definitely that definitely with Spike and an Angel. Has Angel killed any Slayers before? Do we know that or not? I we don't, maybe we don't I know. I don't think we've gotten that. Uh, but Spike information definitely. one way or the other. But Spike has yeah. definitely killed two Slayers before yeah. that we know yeah. that we've been told. Um, right. So yeah, and and yeah, and so <laughs> Drusilla. Uh, Interesting, too, the way she does it, right? The sort of mesmerizing, you get the snake vibe with the back and forth. Um, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's too bad. So what implications there may be for that, we'll have to wait and see. Um, I do... Right, it doesn't doesn't look good with Buffy sort of standing over her, that's for sure. <laughs> well, no, and the last... The last moment we get is a cop presumably uh right. you know telling her to freeze uh right. as she's hovering over this dead body um and and snyder said i just thought of that snyder said give me a reason just give me a reason yeah the snyder I mean, well now she has bigger if she's in trouble for murder i guess there she has bigger problems than getting expelled from school but yeah but that might be one case, way that might it, be right? That's certainly going to help Snyder. Um, Before we move too far away from Kendra, though, I do want to mention that um, sort of ancillary, uh, Mr. Pointy, the stake, Uh um, the Whedon Studies Association uh, actually gives out annual Mr. Pointy awards for scholarship in uh, Whedon uh, studies. So uh, not just for Buffy related, but but for anything in the Whedon verse, they give out the long Mr. Pointy uh, for books, uh, book length, uh, academic work, um, the short Mr. Pointy for individual essays and um, the Slage Conference, which doesn't happen every year. um, But when when they do happen, uh, they give out the Mr. Pointy paper award uh, that's presented for that conference. So uh, Mr. Pointy lives on uh in the in the memory of the Whedon Studies Association. Um not that that helps Kendra. But uh anyway. No. So it would have helped her if she'd kept it, but Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I think there's a clear indication there that she is giving Buffy her luck and and that I mean if a torch has been passed if, if, and if yeah. luck you call it. And we right, we, yeah. we sort of talked about um, back when we were first introduced to Kendra um, about whether or not that would take some of the pressure off of Buffy. And of course we've seen that it hasn't really. Right. And now, yeah. you know, 
now now it definitely won't yeah yeah there is in sort of a way a, a passing back to her any sort Maybe of symbolic even passing back with more of a burden than there used to be because now here's another death yeah on buffy yeah. which you know she's gonna feel responsible for absolutely um on a few different levels so yep yeah yeah um but yeah, I mean, you know, not that Kendra didn't put up a good fight, as did the other Scoobies, but we've got a couple people hurt. Xander, something happened to right. his arm. He's got his wrist broken or something like that. Yeah. I don't really, I lost track of Xander at the end. You kind of don't really see what happens to him. No, you don't. So, so but you know, there, is, there is a part two, so we may yes, find that out. I, we will find out, I'm sure. Um. Because we see Willow sort of knocked out, and we see that Cordy runs off, yeah. but Xander... And we get when we see Giles carried off. Yes. Right. Xander... Right. Xander's the only missing mm. element mm. in that. So Interesting. Interesting. I wonder, yeah. I wonder how many seconds into the next part until we see him again. Maybe he'll be like the opening shot. <laughs> um... um yeah, so anyway, but Buffy, let's talk about Buffy, Buffy a little bit more yes. because, um, I mean, we've already talked a bit about her sort of in relation to other people, but um, yeah. a couple things. So I, I would sort of go back to, um, the, there's the interesting parallel here, I think. So we get, in the flashbacks, we get Angel's <laughs> story, which ends in him wanting to help Buffy. And so, of course, one of the things that we get throughout here is Buffy not being sure, not being sure, not being sure, and having a sort of purposelessness in relation to what she wants to do with Angel. And I'm being a little contrived here. But um, but also sort of throughout the episode, getting closer and closer to the point where she finally can admit that she does want to see Angel with a restored soul, right? So yeah. we get her finding Chekhov's sloppy disc, which you, <laughs> which you called, of course. And I mean, it would be kind of hard. Well, no, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to diminish your, your precognitive powers. Uh, you were right on that. And, and I give you all praise. Um, the, I like the parallel between, and I don't know whether this is, I think it's a parallel between Buffy's kind of dreams and visions mm -hmm. and Drusilla's dreams and visions. Oh, interesting. That's interesting to me. You know, that I, and you know, they're both sort of, you know, women who've been targeted by angel and sort of singled out mm. for torment by angel. And both of them have these sort of, again, precognitive abilities that Buffy the deja vu. She senses that something is down there. That she, right, and you know, had a sense of the significance of the pencil. And and it goes back so, to um, because it was it was before surprise and innocence that or or during those episodes where Buffy was having the dreams about Drusilla killing Angel. Yep. Um, so there's there is I think a connection there. Um, but then also I was going to say sort of in, in the progression of things, you know, we get Willow asking her, well, what do you want to do after they've 
found the disc. You know, what do you want? Do you want to try to restore? And Buffy's like, I don't know. I don't know. And then later on the phone, I don't know. I don't know. And then she finds the ring. And even though she's saying, I don't know, you know, she knows what she wants to do. She wants to try to restore this whole, even, even though she's couching it in terms of, well, in case I don't kill him or in case he kills me or in case this thing with whatever his name is actually (laughs) works, um, you know, you're seeing, you know, that she's secretly hoping it does work and that she can have him back. Yeah. Um, and, and. Yes, so that he stops being a demon and killing people, but also I I think this is so I did see your notes and I know you think Xander's being a jerk and he is being a jerk. But he's being a jerk in a way in which he's also kind of right. (laughs) 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 And, and, And not that I'm saying that he should be a jerk about it, but I mean... Buffy is kind of ignoring the bad stuff that Angelus has done in the hopes of getting her boyfriend back. And yes, Xander says it bluntly and not so kindly, but I think it's hard for me to say that he's a hundred percent wrong either. You know what I mean? Um, no, he's not a hundred percent wrong, okay. but don't you think that he's making, I, I admit that the he's same, being a jerk. the same mistake that the gypsies are making. Which is to no. Which is to no. I don't think he. I think he's making a different mistake than the gypsies are okay. making. Okay. <laughs> I think. I think he's looking. I, I think he's not making a distinction between Angelus and Angel, where there clearly is one. Okay. Um. I think. I think, that's his mistake. Um. The gypsies' mistake, is to blame uh liam basically or angel which he becomes at that point um for angelus's actions so Uh they might be close but they're not quite the same i don't think um angel uh i think i think you know with xander it's it's uh it started out as a jealousy thing. And I think mm-hmm. he's still jealous, even though he has Cordelia and they've been going out a long time. I think he's still, yeah. or well, to use proper terms, not jealous, but envious because, you mm-hmm. know, Buffy was never his. <laughs> so, you know, right, uh, yeah. you know, he can't technically be jealous, but he is definitely envious there. And I think that's still part of it. So I don't like, I'm not saying Xander's being a, good guy or anything here like i I do think he's making mistakes and i do think that he's being somewhat of a jerk about it i don't think he's 100 percent wrong because there's no guarantee you know that uh that they can turn angel back or turn angelus back into angel there's no guarantee they can Mm -hmm. give him his soul again and so in a sense, it is very much wishful thinking on Buffy's part. And I think that's where he's, you know, trying what he's trying to point out. He's going too far in sort of his mm-hmm. his way of doing that. I agree. But I don't think he's 100 percent wrong. Whether you call it 90 percent. OK, like we could argue probably right, about percentages yeah. all day long. But um, yeah, but but I, I, I think that's. 
I think that's where where I stand on 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 his ideas there. Um, okay. And but I, I guess, but I don't I don't think he's entirely wrong. But I don't know that I agree that Buffy is as she may be. And again, we're just going to argue about percentages. Buffy may be being a little bit uh, naively hopeful. But I don't know that she's just being naive. No, 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 either. no. I, I, I think agree. there's. I agree. I think uh, by the same token, to paint her as completely in the wrong is also not accurate. And I think that's what Xander, you know, is is saying that. I mean, what he says is, "You want to forget about the murders so that you can get your boyfriend back." And I think that's pretty bluntly missing the mark you know is there an element of her hoping is there a strong element of her hoping that angel her boyfriend comes back absolutely but i don't think i think she can legitimately want to you know save angel's soul you know and that be a good motivation and not just be you know a a naive and whatever sort of thing i think it's a fine line and i think she hovers on one side and and then the other and he hovers on the other yeah no and i i'm i i'm with that i i I, and i i would even compare it to even our earlier discussion about the doctor where there he's not naive he's you know knowledgeable but there is that moment where he steps out and is like just kill me you know You, you know for whatever reason so i you know, I think, I think there could be some parallels there too, but I think there's, no, I, I think you're right. I don't, I think it's, I think Xander is being unjust to say that to Buffy, that, that she's completely, um, not caring about about Jenny or anyone else, but there is a sort of, but that doesn't mean that there isn't a a warning to be heeded in what he says. Well, but, or, or, a fact there that she is in a sense ignoring, you know, the stuff that, because presumably even if they give Angel his soul back, can he lose it again? You know what I mean? Like, is there that possibility? Right. That's That's, the risk. That's the real risk. You know, where, where is it going to happen? Like, are we just fooling ourselves? Even if we give him his soul back, are we just fooling ourselves? Is it only a matter of time? And that kind of thing. Like, is there, and and Xander, but I do think Xander's being a jerk about the way he's saying all of this, right? It, it's not coming from a place of love, and it's not coming from a place of understanding or empathy. It's coming from a place of envy and jealousy, and right. uh, even his snapping at Cordelia when he's like, "I realize you were, you know, supporting me then," and, 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 that and is, that's you know, you know, and, and that's now the I'm other thing about it. The other thing about it, which went into it, rubbing with getting under my skin, is. The hypocrisy of it. How many things have we seen Xander do oh, yeah. to have a girlfriend? Mm. You know, that you would think that Xander, of all people, would understand the the longing for Buffy. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that that should be something he should be sympathetic towards. Mm-hmm. You know, that he's wreaked havoc on the school with love potions to get girls to like him. You know, so... That in particular, 
it's like, oh, come on, Xander. Yeah. You know, you should be the one who should understand this. No. So yeah. no, I, that's that's part of it, hey, too. I'm not making any kind of argument that Xander's like a mature man going about this in a, you know, respectable way. I'm just saying he's not 100% wrong. <laughs> no, and I, 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 I can concede that. Um, anyway, wow, I think we talked about that way more than I was expecting. Um, okay. <laughs> No, I, I think that's good. I think that's fine. Um, Anything else with Buffy? With Buffy. So, um, no, just so I would point out everything that I said about the, the Daleks and the time uh, temporal distor- you know, distortion stuff or whatever goes right along with Buffy being fooled by, you know, lured away by Angel to right. only, you know, to have her minion not minions <laughs> buffy doesn't have minions her the, the the rest of the rest of the scooby uh team i was thinking the daleks you know and, and their minions. Yeah. um just to have the scoobies uh you know be attacked you know right. there there was it, it was a gambit there and she was fooled by it and it's not the first time and right. may but not again, be the last time <laughs> but again i think just like with the daleks that I don't mind that because there are escalating consequences. Sure. That that there there it's not just oh darn another uh, fooled me again kind of thing. It's like no seriously, Buffy. You know you need to start watching yeah. out for this yeah. because this has happened before. And oh look, someone died this. Well, time. and so and and also, know. I mean, Kendra was with the Scooby. Like, I mean, they had a Slayer yeah. with them. <laughs> yeah, so, sure. you know... No, she wasn't leaving them undefended. Right, right. Um, uh, so... But, but I do but, I do think... I mean, Angel explicitly brings it up and laughs at her for it. Oh, yeah. you know, right. you were fooled by it again. And I think... Right, so they, they kind of lampshade it. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, so that would that would be the only other thing that I had. For and Buffy. it is in keeping with her character, you know, that that's well, and, a, and a, a blind spot, right? For her and the, is and the to whole want episode to take it on herself and to go and and it's Angel, and, and yeah. the the whole episode she's trying to confront him, and now here's yeah. the opportunity to do it, right, right, and that's what he's counting on. Mm-hmm. Um, Giles. Oh, well, oh, so sorry. Who do you want to talk about next? Giles is fun. Okay, Giles has an orb yeah. of Thessala. He's using it as <laughs> he a uses paperweight. It as a paperweight. Um, did you pick up so that he, reference from I, before? I did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I giggled quite a bit. <laughs> so he's the guy who bought the last yeah. one in, or like one of the people yeah, who yeah. just bought the, one. The as shop a owner tells Jenny. Yeah. yeah, I sold it some guy as a paperweight. Right. You know. Which again, Jenny, if you had just gone to Giles in the first place and told him what you were doing, he had one. He already has the friggin' orb of Thessala in his back room. Yeah, no need to even go and buy one yourself. So again, the keeping secrets is rarely a good thing. Right. You know, from your own friends mm-hmm. is usually doesn't lead to anything good, mm-hmm. but yeah. also really funny. <laughs> Uh, that he's um, using it as the paperweight, and then yeah, and well, and then he is dragged okay. off. I don't, I didn't have yeah. a lot to say about Giles, just those two things, right? And that yeah, and and I 
he they have some plan for him that they need. yeah i clearly the whole gambit was to get giles i mean to that's, get giles. Right. that's what drew what says for, yeah um at the end right yeah um xander we kind of talked about him already um yeah xander doesn't he's only really here to oppose buffy in this like he just that's his mm-hmm. you know role in the in this episode is to sort of Buffy's ire up and uh yeah play the play the her, counterpoint to her yeah. wanting to, to um to and he did Angel. get something something broke there I don't know mm-hmm. in his arm right yeah he's clearly not well in his arm no um not well in his <laughs> arm uh <laughs> I guess uh Willow, Willow. I, I think Willow is Willow the, is the place only... to go um what do you think? So Willow? again, she's she's going through the files, which we've known sort of, mm-hmm. but um, she's gone through a lot of them, um, which Buffy calls morbid. Um, she's been researching the black arts for <laughs> educational fun. for fun, <laughs> yeah, yeah, educational fun, and she's gotten you know enough knowledge to perform this really difficult, you know ritual which giles doubts that he knows enough to perform um so yeah so she's dabbling she's dabbling yeah she and just wants to on, learn stuff and based on uh jenny's files which is interesting yeah that even i mean she even says like as she's looking in the computer that jenny wasn't a practicing witch but she has all these files so even jenny wasn't much of a dabbler it seems that she had more of an academic interest mm-hmm. in this stuff and didn't really practice it herself right but willow seems like she doesn't mind the practicing um and uh is but is on buffy's side with the whole reinstating of the soul thing that she wants to help buffy do that and she calls Xander a rude word apparently yeah apparently she has quite the potty mouth yeah so um (laughs) so it's interesting and kind of portentous Giles line about channeling this stuff through yourself can open doors that you might not be able to close that there's Hmm. there's there are some magics which are best left undabbled in maybe even if her intentions are good yeah um, that exposing yourself to these things is inherently sort of dangerous. Mm-hmm. So um, she didn't get very far in the ritual, but we'll see, you know, if that bears any fruit, I guess. Yeah. So we shall. Well, I think that's everyone. Um, man, I told you we had a lot to talk we about. Did. We did. Any oh, man, all right. Any any even, final this thoughts? This isn't even so. the really. This isn't the real real finale. It's just part one of the finale. Right. But. No, I know. We'll we'll okay. have plenty to talk about next week too. Um, yeah. Did we get to everything? I think we got everything that that I certainly wanted to talk about. I guess any final thoughts or questions or 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 predictions, perhaps, um, from you about where we're I going. I don't have any predictions. No. Okay. No. I mean. I don't know. I'm really interested to see. I know someone's going to pull that sword out. 
Yeah. So it's not a prediction. I honestly don't know who. I more as as interesting as who gets it out is why. What is it? Why is Angel not worthy? That's interesting yeah. to me. Okay. I feel like there's something that he doesn't. There's an aspect that he's missing. Sure. You know that. He thinks it's just about how evil you are, but maybe that's not really what it's about or something. Could be. So, um, All right. I, I mean, I guess I predict that Buffy stops them from going to hell, you know, hopefully, but I have no predictions as to how that will come about. So, right. Right. All right. I'm, uh, I'll probably go watch it now. So <laughs> I will find out very soon. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, then I guess we will watch it now and then talk about it next week. So. All right. See you then. Mm-hmm.